Hi, welcome to PH Dizzle. My name is Alice Chang, and today we are interviewing Dr. Sean Hakeem, who got his bachelor's in molecular and cell biology and physiology and neurobiology from the University of Connecticut, his master's in cell biology and biotech project management from Harvard University, and his PhD in cancer and molecular medicine from Virginia Commonwealth University. And he is currently a director of clinical development oncology at GSK. We know each other from grad school at VCU, um, but I actually don't know a lot about your past. And so it would be good to just hear about, um, you know, how you decided to go into biology, what prompted you to, um, you know, decide to go after like 15 majors in biology at UConn. <laughs> Definitely. Um, yeah, glad to talk about it. So yeah, the, so my interest for biology, I think started in high school. Uh, my favorite teacher in high school uh, was my biology teacher, Miss Libby. So yeah, so I mean, I was, it was, it was, you know, very interesting. And, and again, even in middle school and earlier, but I think my whole interest was like really trying to understand living things and how we work, you know, plants, human, and, and just, uh, just to try to understand like the diseases and how, you know, how we get disease, how to cure it and sort of, you know, understanding of it more. Like, so I was like very hungry actually. And, and, uh, and you know, I, I love chemistry too, but I think uh, my love was for biology. So when I w went to UConn and, and, and my whole intention going to UConn, I was pre-med and I wanted to go to medical school. Um, so I basically couldn't decide which biology major. So I've basically studied everything that UConn <laughs> offered. So <laughs> these are all the biology majors. So they're two different, you know, it was, it was mostly like neuroscience and then you have the molecular biology. So at UConn, those, and then I did a psychology minor too, but again, trying to get like a broad knowledge, I feel like I just couldn't stick to one. And I just like both the neuroscience and molecular biology. So I figured that was a good way to, and, and, you know, when you do double major, it's not that you have to do twice as much you have to do you know, probably half as much. So take a lot more courses and, and get, get two degrees. But one other thing that, you know, I wanted to be uh, in medical school. So I felt like the more I've learned in undergrad, it'll be better for me. But again, I applied to medical school and almost at the last moment, I even got in, decided not to go. And I got this sort of summer fellowship and which turned into, um, work a job at Yale um, and I was doing that for a year uh, trying to really understand hey do I want to also do research in addition to uh, being in med school because you could do that in, in some of the schools uh, you could you could do MDDR like in distinction and research so I was kind of going for that but then I just worked with world-renowned you know scientists there and I was working at the Yale neuroscience department and my PI at that time had collaboration with like Nobel Prize winner Kendall and Paul Greenberg. So it's like seeing all these people around me, I was like, oh man, I think it's amazing. And and just the research that I was doing and learning and memory, it was it was also very interesting. So it hit all the right spots. And I, I just felt like, okay, maybe this is where my passion is. I've done shadowing and some internship in, in hospitals. So I love that too, but I was like, research is where I want to be. So basically I love that so much. And then I, after that for a year and a little bit, I went to Harvard 
um, and got into this program. And I was doing, again, research with famous person, uh, Joan Brugge, who was like the head of Harvard cell biology at that time. And she was very inspiring. Um, I think at that time, I, I just wanted to find what exactly I like, because I went from neuroscience to that cancer research. So then I developed more interest in cancer. So yeah, so after that, I, you know, um, I, I continued, you know, I, I finished the degree at Harvard and, you know, I've actually worked in a, in a biotech company. Um, well, wait, hold and, on. Uh, so let me, before you get there, okay. so you were, so you were at Harvard and you were getting your master's, you were talking about, you maybe should have just applied a PhD, but you weren't sure. Yeah. And initially you had wanted to go to med school. So at what point were you like, cause I don't know, were, were you still considering med school at that point? Or were you like, at what point were you like, Hey, I'm, I'm totally going to go into research. Maybe in the back of my mind, it wasn't completely over that I didn't want to go to a med school at all. Maybe, maybe I was still sure. That's what's kind of kind of going around. Uh, but I was also I knew that I wanted to do something different. You know, like not so every research advance. I was like, okay, maybe I should be getting more experience in this. I think I was going more towards research than med school. I think at that point when I finished or, you know, at Harvard, I knew that's sort of not what I wanted to do. But while I was doing the degree, because of the degree I was getting in, in biotech project management, and I learned a lot about, you know, yeah, tell drug me about development. That. And, yeah, tell yeah, me about why yeah. you so, decided to do that. So, so that's just not of the courses and, and some of the practical projects that we had as part of the degree. And I was obviously doing research with Joe, Joan Brugge at that time um, in breast cancer. Um, it was, it was sort of at that time, I was like, yeah, maybe I want to develop at one point in the industry, you know, so I became very interested in industry because at Harvard and in Jones, she had multiple collaborators. And one of my collaborators with my project was uh, Sanofi. Uh, so I had an exposure. So I, I think the, the part that they were able to sponsor our research and they could do a lot more because of they have funding available. So I was kind of like, maybe at one point I wanted you know, go into industry and sort of not have the academic lab, but have a lab in the industry and, and sort of do that. So that's why, you know, um, pretty much right after that, I got picked up even before I finished the degree, um, I got recruited at a biotech company, um, at Biogenetic doing Alzheimer's research. So, oh, cool. so it was and, kind and of great, a great transition. Yeah. Well, and you were talking about you had started off in neurology and then moved into cancer, but then you ended up doing Alzheimer's research. So was that like also completely new or was the, the tie into neurology? No, no, that's like, so yeah, so that's part of neuroscience. Uh, uh, but yeah, no, I, I, I think at that point, it's not that I didn't love neuroscience anymore. I just like also like cancer and I felt like there's so much to be done. You know, I mean, we still do. And I just, I was fascinated by cancer and I just wanted to be involved. So mm. um, that was the, so I loved both. Yeah. You know, it was earlier in my career, I was like neuroscience. So I did. And then this company, again, it's the research part, right? So an Alzheimer was a black box and still is yeah. most of the, you know, I mean, we have some drugs, but still uh, we're finding out more and there's a lot of research going on. So it was very interesting and I kind of didn't intend to go into that, but the, you know, the recruiter was very convincing. I interviewed at the, mm -hmm. at the company and, and, and they were great, you know, they're great scientists, great people. So I was like, this is probably a good transition and also find out like, do I really want to get into um, industry or do I want to stay in academia? So, yeah. so that was like a one year venture and right around that time, basically another opportunity 
opened up and, and this is like a basic sort of PhD at Albany Medical College. But, you know, when I was in Albany, uh, you know, when I was doing my PhD work and I just realized this was very basic and it was in translational. It wasn't like, you know, it wasn't the right fit, that program. And, and they had some funding problems. So I've actually left the program and pretty much right around that time, Virginia Commonwealth. And there were a couple other PhD programs that were training PhD to be a clinical scientist mm -hmm. in, in a clinical science CTSA program. So it's a great sort of opportunity for me to transition. And I, I know I've spent a couple, couple of years there, but, um, but I felt like, you know, it's, I'd rather not be in some place where I don't see myself transitioning well after the degree. And this is sort of, you know, as you've talked to so many PhDs and, you know, like you see a lot of people who are like kind of stuck after their PhD because they don't know what to do or, mm -hmm. and it's very competitive, right? Trying to get your own funding, <clears throat> uh, joining a lab or, or to be independent or your independent lab, right? It's like almost these days, almost impossible. So I kind of felt like I didn't want to be in that case. I wanted to have a clear transition and I wanted to develop very unique skills that's going to be very valuable in an industry and that can help me go into industry and do the translational clinical research that I felt like was more impactful. And I'm, it's a personal opinion. I'm not saying everything is, it's sort of connected, right? I mean, without the preclinical basic research, we wouldn't have clinical research, but I felt like this is where my passion was like finally tying it back in my desire to go to med school with doing clinical research, right? So that was, that was, I think that was amazing. This program opened up. So yeah, that's how I came to VCU basically. Okay. I started the CTSA program. So um, yeah, I want to hear a little bit more about that too, but um, just to recap, because we, yeah, this sure. doesn't happen very often, you were in industry making money, decided to leave industry to <laughs> go to academia to get a PhD. Then you decided to quit your PhD and start a new PhD still like i like not making a lot of money but you thought it was worth it so that's i mean it's just a crazy story because a lot of people leave academia wanting to go to the other side you know and and it's like kind of funny because you kind of reversed i know you're back in industry now but at the time were you always kind of were you doing the phd with the goal in mind that you wanted to go back into industry or were you like oh i don't know let me just let me just do this and then see no, I always wanted to go, I think, in the industry. So okay. like, although like, you know, at that time, so yeah, before joining Albany Meds, another thing like I, I should mention um, that one other thing that I've seen in the industry, so I, I had a master's, right? Going in the industry, they value an in industry. They still value masters more than they value an academic lab or an mm -hmm. academia. Um, but I, I thought, you know, just having that sort of terminal degree and your PhD gives you an edge even in the industry, right? So it's, it, and also like for, for obvious reasons, right? You know, I mean, yeah, you can learn at your job and, but just the ability to think differently, but, you know, having more analytical skills and, and sort of, it's a dynamic degree, right? The PhD and especially if it's in the right field and concentration, which is, you develop transferable skills that you can apply in an industry job, then it's very useful. So going into Albany Med, you know, it's a hospital. I sort of thought that, that I'm going to be able to get that and get the terminal degree necessary for you to 
move quickly in in the position in an industry where you can make decisions so that was another thing right so mm -hmm. if i'm sort of working and you know um in like i was a senior um associate scientist but at this level you know eventually i would get promoted and get to a place but i also wanted to be part of the decision making i wanted to do yeah you know, drug development and, and strategy and, and things like that. So for that, you know, it took, it would take me a long time. Not that at that time, you know, even at Biogen and other companies, and even now people with even bachelor and masters have moved up to the pretty high level, um, in the company. So it's possible, but I just felt like, first of all, I, I just always wanted to, you know, uh, you know, uh, like I loved school, I guess, like yeah. I wanted to learn more and just, I just felt like it wasn't enough and so that was the that was the whole intention so that's why although at biogen i was making money i kind of went to like i could have continued and people have continued and you know they have got promoted but i felt like at that time maybe i should go get my phd and then come back yeah and because i had the experience it was it was easier it, it would have been easier right in any way so and that was that was kind of the case but yeah so but albany met for the reasons that I've listed that I kind of had to move, um, again, make me more marketable mm -hmm. in the industry by, by doing, and exactly. So if you didn't, if I didn't do the degree at VCU, I wouldn't be able to get a job, what I got here, or even something, not even at this high level. Mm -hmm. So, because clinical research is really for, um, MDs, you know, that's how it's been, unless you have you know, the level of experience that I have and, or a degree and, and a degree actually not, or any degree to support that. So that's what I was able to do. Okay. So tell me, uh, now tell so, yeah. me about this program at VCU sure. and on the yeah, so, translational so, so side. The, yeah, the so program at VCU is very unique. So again, it's a one of a kind program where they teach uh, PhDs to how to become a clinical scientist, how to do clinical research and not only just didactic courses and you know, in clinical research, they also do internship that I have to do. It's like a year long internship, which where you, you know, work in a clinical research unit, you work on something that could be basic to translational, but it could have the potential to move into clinic. And that was my goal with the project that I was working on. And, you know, I sort of left, but my PI still will probably pursue this and move this into a phase one clinical trial. So I was working in breast cancer. I don't know any other program where they offer that. So, yeah. And, and that gave me sort of, it, it kind of tied in all my experience over the last, you know, 12 years at that point, uh, after I graduated. Um, so it's, it's sort of tied everything in and it gave me sort of different components, uh, of different experiences necessary to do my job, which I'm doing right now as, you know, running clinical trials. Yeah. So, so awesome. I mean, first congrats on the PhD, huge accomplishment after, you know, so kind of like trying different things and figuring out where to go. Um, maybe, you know, if I interview you again in like 15 years, you'll have an MD. We'll see. Um, but so well, maybe not, I'm like maybe MBA, but yeah, no, maybe MBA. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, well, so your role now you you are director, um, of clinical trials. And, and so that's a huge leap. I mean, I mean, for those out there who don't know, like the progression of like career laddering in big pharma, these are huge companies. Typically you're, you know, like 
associate, some sort of manager, some sort of senior manager, some sort of associate director. It's like many levels until you get to director. Um, and so director level is a big deal and that you were able to get a director level role as your first, I mean, not first ever job, but it's like your first job out of PhD, which is really unheard of. So tell me a little bit about how that happened. So again, um, maybe with, you know, like it, it got lost in, in all the experience that I had, but I think if you look at from when I started, so I've been doing research for a long time. Mm -hmm. So if you look at somebody mm -hmm. who may have done undergrad and went to PhD, or let's say even took a couple years off and then went to PhD, it's quite different. So yeah. these experiences, and, and I've said every, every work where I've just like got the master's or when I was working um, in the, you know, in the biotech or I've gotten very involved. So there was very, you know, the project that I ran and, and, you know, I, I was very hands-on and it wasn't like I was just working there. So all these experiences really counted and, you know, I've tried to do other things at the same time too. Right. So, you know, getting, getting like, you know, the right network and talking to the right people and getting the right, right experience so I've, I've always in the sense that i was entrepreneurial and, and as well as i was like always wanted to expose myself to different experiences like i was always eager to learn mm -hmm. um so at the end of the day you know in terms of you are qualifying for a job at the end of the day can you do the job do you have the skill sets necessary to do the job so during my whole tenure uh, in in research i know in different fields and you know like a lot of them i've done before my phd right and also like you know at albany med right so th those experiences everything counts mm -hmm. yeah at that time you know i, I probably would have had two phds but yeah. um so yeah so those experiences like adding up to so i never in a sense like i don't want you know i'm humble but at the same time i don't think i could be considered i could be compared to another person who had just a phd after undergrad or right. you know uh, after a couple of years you know because all these experiences that it counted it made me very capable of doing what i'm doing now and right. you know well and so, part of yeah. it you know you were Part of the reason I think why it happened also is because you decided to go into this program, which was super specific, super tailored, gave you that experience as well, yeah. like super, right, super targeted versus even if you had gone and done two, two PhDs at, yeah. in Albany, it probably yeah, wouldn't have, right. you know, gotten you in the same place. <clears throat> exactly. And, and I have, I, I know friends and colleagues who've been, you know, in, in those programs with me and, and they're not where I am. And another thing too, so I, I suggest that anybody listening to this also always do something practical, tangible, and high impactful. So one thing I did also after I finished, so that was sort of, you can say my first job, it was at Massey Cancer Center. So I was mm. working as a clinical, sci clinical science liaison, clinical research scientist. Um, there I was really working with you know, physicians and investigators who are working on sort of invest um, industry sponsored trial. So I was working with them in a, from an academic time. So that was that was for a year, which gave me even more really practical mm -hmm. experience. Right now, I was able to apply everything that I've learned, you know, didactic course, didactic course, and an internship, and then here, and and also like when I picked during my internship, I was able to work with you know KOL 
and investigators at VCU who are pretty big deal. And they mm -hmm. are, you know, they were doing a lot of work. And so they, I was very hands-on there too. And yeah, two of the famous people at VCU I worked with, you know, yeah. <laughs> uh, and, 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 and that's, that's critical. That's critical. I think for you to be working with the right individual, right mentors are going to be key for your success. So sometimes it's not the years you spend. Sometimes it's not the degrees you have. It's, I feel like it's always what experience do you have mm. and have you acquired the necessary experiences and knowledge for you to do the job? So I think I have convinced uh, GSK and I'm able to convince anybody else that obviously I can do the job and do the job well. So, and so far the last two years that I've been, been very successful at, at GSK and, um, I can say, you know, I'm getting you know, more experiences here, but like, I'm also able to contribute, mm -hmm. you know, significantly to, uh, to the portfolio and to the program here. So tell me, what, yeah. so what is your job? So I know your clinical <laughs> development oncology, oncology means cancer. Um, what's yeah. clinical development? I know clinical trials, but like, what do you actually do? Okay. So we have for each of the programs, you have a lot of clinical trials going on. So some are called registrational trials. So it's the initial trial that you show that your drug works in certain population and it has certain efficacy um, better than what's out there, right? So when that happens, um, you try different combination of, of trials. So these are sponsor any companies that actually develop the drug or developing the drug in, in more in uh, in most of the sense when you're, so you try different combination. So you have investigators in, in different sites and academic sites, Cancer Institute, they are running the trial from their side and you're the sponsor. So you design the trial, you develop a strategy, you design, uh, you, you write the protocol, the informed consent and everything else that's necessary, right? So they're recruiting patients on their site from their practice or referral or however and you're you're basically paying for the the study you're you're managing the study so i am the contact person i am the person who is the investigator on the sponsor side so i am the clinical investigator lead for those trials so that's that's what i do so a lot of my job daily job is to lead it clinical matrix team, you know, I have functional leads uh, that I work with to accomplish, to run this trial, manage this trial, um, data review, clinical data review, clinical analysis, you know, um, talking to the KOL, talking to the investigators, address question, you know, um, work with publication team to publish, present. So these sort of, you know, and many other things uh and one of the key things obviously submission regulatory working with regulatory colleagues for any sort of regulatory questions so one of the one of the trial that i work on for the drug for the, um it's um it's a registrational trial so this is a trial that fda and everybody has has their eye on because this is the trial that F fda approved the drug on so mm -hmm. you know we're finishing up that and then i have another combination trial that i'm also leading um so yeah, so each of us, the clean dev directors, so we basically manage uh, and do everything to do with, we're just a lead for, you know, some some of the, some of us do one or two or three, you know, trials, so depending on the, the workload, yeah. 
And so I guess conceivably you were on the other end of that when you were at VCU, right? So you like know what's going on on the ground. um, Exactly, exactly. And that's a great point. Yeah, that's a great point that we have actually recruited recently a couple people who were on the other side, you know, they were the director for um, a, actually, uh, I think, Pen, one of the pen uh, program here. So yeah, we've recruited somebody from that who was interacting with us and now she's on this side. Yeah, oh, nice. Exactly. Yeah, well, let me ask you, how does it feel to be on the other side? The dark side. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, they always say that's the joke. Um, <laughs> no, it's it's great. Um, it's great. I think, I think you, I still enjoy the things that I've enjoyed in academia. Um, I think, I think one of the key things I have to say, the funding, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think you can ask anybody, I think the burden of getting funding, uh, it's, it's not there, right? It's not here. Uh, so that's, that's great. I, I think, but other than that, I think we enjoy everything else that you would enjoy in an academic lab. I mean, coming from the sponsor side, obviously is very different from if you have to respond, like if you have to answer to the sponsor, mm. um, but you know, it's, it's, I, I like it. I think, I think it's a great fit for me. And I, I just, this is sort of what I envision. Um, I don't know. There was, was a dream, but it's coming true. So <laughs> I, uh, because, because at one point you, and at VCU too, I thought I'll take a position in a cancer center and then do being on the other side and when i was working in massey i was like that's great you know that i was enjoying the work but yeah doing this on i think i i I have um i think i have more control over things i have to say Mm -hmm. Uh, but still get to enjoy what anybody would enjoy in academia Um, you know control in the sense that like in academia academia if you're not funded or if you are sort of and I don't want to say you are most, most of the time, if you're a good investigator, you're somebody will sponsor the study that you want to do, which is, you know, um, the ITT or ISS. But I, I just feel like that just that part coming from the academia, I think not have not like asking for funding every year or sort of yeah. thing. That's, it's kind of great, but we, we still, we still respond to investors. We still respond to all our stakeholders. So I don't want to say in terms of our responsibilities, any less, but just that component of it, I feel like anybody coming from academia enjoys a lot. So you could freely do the research and, and really work and collaborate with your academic partners and investigators and, and sort of work. I think it's a business. But at the same time, I at least at GSK, I think it's patients first. Mm. So we're always trying to use appropriate resources to deliver the best medicine uh, for our patients. So that's that's our that's our big thing that's great. here at GSK. And I, I think a lot of the companies are because otherwise you wouldn't you wouldn't you need to be passionate about something. And 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 I think I think in in outside world they always talk about money and obviously in any business to sustain you need to make you know you need to have certain revenue you need to make profit but at the same time I think your first goal should be delivering at least in the oncology um, area to deliver the best care for unmet medical needs and and for cancer patients you know all all around the world so I think I think that part is very rewarding for me personally and I really enjoy that here yeah that's great. 
and can I, can I just ask a personal question? Uh, do you, ha have you had people in your life affected by cancer? Like, is, is that part of a motivator? Yeah. Yeah. And that's true. And I, I feel like you can ask probably anybody, they either have somebody in the family and, or, you know, um, yeah, we had several people like my uncle died from, uh, liver cancer. And, you know, I mean, we have multiple, like in our extended family too, like had mm. cancer and, uh, my, um, my, uh, my wife's, uh, grandma died from breast cancer. So it's just, yeah, I, I mean, there's, and there's everybody. people that I know. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> list them. And, and I think that's the thing. That was one of the motivating factors for me to go to Harvard and, and continue in the field that I just feel like we weren't doing enough. And yeah. I, I just, whatever contribution, my contribution was negligent. But I felt like even if I, at least I'm involved and I'm doing tiny, tiny microscopic amount of work that can do something, it, it's something. It, it's, it'll be something. And the big mm -hmm. picture and i think that's why i kind of got into clinical research too because i feel like the impact is a lot more and i get to see right so yeah when i'm running these clinical trials um, um it's it's amazing when i see the data like the positive results from this and and see patients right that benefiting yeah. from these drugs that's that's, that's great so that's amazing. You, you yeah, that's inspiring me to want to go into yeah. clinical, yeah, <laughs> clinical <laughs> research. So you were saying that this was like your dream job and now you're in your job. And, and so, yeah. I mean, what's next for you? Uh, you mentioned getting an MBA, but you know, how are you thinking about it? Like you're kind of, you've worked so long to get here and now you're like, okay, where do I go from here? No, I, I would just like, so if I do get an MBA, it will be executive MBA. So um, it would be for business need wherever I am and whenever I decide to get that. But that's that's almost like I'm not planning on it. Um, I do want to develop my career in, in clinical development. I think this is this is a great fit for me and I'm really finding, yeah, I think after all these different types of work that we just talked about, I think I finally found what I want to do. And, and at one point I was also interested in meta affairs too. So I mm -hmm. think that also very interesting to me. Um, so medical affairs, you know, clinical research, clinical development. So it's sort of where I think it's my interest is, and I, I sort of want to develop that and, you know, take on more of a leadership, more leadership role in the future for people who are doing PhDs or pursuing career, um, in, in like biomedical sciences or, you know, sort of it, it, like in, in science in general, I think sort of have an idea of what do you want to do and have alternatives, have backups and, you know, also understand what skills you're going to require. Like if somebody were to hire you, you have to ask the question, why should they hire you? Then you need to develop those skills at some point. So, and that's fine. You don't have to like, not everybody's going to have the opportunity to develop all the skills during PhD. So if certain jobs right after PhD, rather than doing a traditional postdoc or, you know, don't think and don't, always think outside of the box a little bit, if you want to accelerate your career development, um, I think that's a, that's an important thing. And I, um, it, it always didn't work out the way I wanted to, but you know, some of the things, some of the experience that I went through sort of made me into who I am and where I am. So that's, that's the main thing. Think outside of the box, develop all the skills, get all the experiences you could possibly get to do what you really want to do and 
the number one thing is be passionate about what you do. So that's, I think, I think everybody will, a lot of people will tell you that, but, and I, I thought, oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I think it's, it's very important. If you love what you do at the end, then nothing matters. So talking about loving what you do, uh, what do you love to do outside of work? I love sports. So, um, I'm like always like whenever, uh, I mean, I'm in PA, so the weather's not always great, but <laughs> uh, like two babies and, and, uh, but yeah, no, my whole life, I think I've enjoyed an outdoor, outdoor stuff like hiking and camping, uh, although I haven't ca camped for a long time. <laughs> uh, I, I like the outdoorsy stuff, I, even fishing at some point I enjoyed, like, I, I love deep sea fishing more than regular fishing. But what about, enjoy, but... what about specific sports like volleyball? Yeah, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so I like, <laughs> I love volleyball and I, um, I, we got the intramural championship at uh, VCU, my, you know, right before I graduated. So that was, that was really great. Uh, yeah, no, and I, you know, in undergrad too, I used to do intramural sports. So yeah, I, I think in sports, like I, I do it for fun, but I become very competitive. I no longer being in school, so having way less free time, um, having two kids, which also way less free time, but also limits your types of time and where you can go. Um, and also getting through COVID for the past two years, and now we're kind of finally out of it. How, I feel like that the last two years for you have been, you know, like a major change. Uh, and you know, how, how like you've, you're obviously doing well now, but you know, how was that experience for you? Yeah, I think, I think it was quite hard and for anybody else, like being sort of, I felt like stuck for like more than two years. Um, it's, it was very difficult. And honestly, like I, I onboarded, uh, remotely and I just didn't know how it's going to work out. Cause I didn't even think some of it was possible remotely, but, mm. but it ended up working really well. And I think, I think obviously there's a pros and cons to it, but I think all of us and obviously including myself, we just. We, we dealt with it, make sure that the important things are taken care of and, you know, um, but, but again, it was, it was, I'm not going to say it was hard. Like, yeah. I think you can ask, ask, like, I think maybe 95% or more people will of say like, it was hard, so. yeah. <laughs> but I think, I think we went through it and it, it's fine. And I, I do actually, I, I never thought I would say that I do enjoy remote work now mm. and I think I'm able to do everything I could possibly do in person remotely. So, so there, so like sort of remote or hybrid work schedule is totally possible. And I think it's possible for many industries. So, yeah, and because like, that. you know, I, we have global trials, there's never going to be on site. You can never get everybody on site. It's impossible. So yeah. for that sense, it works because there's always going to be some, it's going to be, um, through Zoom or Teams, uh, like, yeah. So it's, yeah. it's just going to be there. I think I remember you telling me that you also like traveling, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. You so, know me, yeah. Sorry, I just, it's a big part of me. And I used to do a lot of traveling and and actually, yeah, I, I don't know how I forgot. I don't consider this as a hobby. I think as, as <laughs> it's core to who you job, are. <laughs> other job that... Tell me about the things that, that are core I don't know to how you. I forgot about it. <laughs> uh, but other job that I, I don't do as much anymore, and none of us do, I guess. Yeah. None of us did during pandemic. But yeah, I love to travel. I've been to a lot of countries and places and, and you know, one of the highlights, it was like our, our 
my wife and I, we went to Bora Bora for our honeymoon. That was one of the highlights and wow. it's a great trip. And we have a couple of other things in our bucket list that we need to do, but it yeah. comes back to just like with sports and other things, kids. So <laughs> yeah, just I drop to, them off at the grandparents. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or somewhere for, I don't know if it's possible for a week. I don't, yeah. I don't know if anybody's going to take them for a week. But, <laughs> so for a little bit. <laughs> for a little bit we're, we're we're but at some point we will go and then maybe we'll go with our kids too so that's, yeah what, that's, what's the top of have, your bucket list uh right now it's going to be more exotic maldives yeah or, uh yeah again it's not a very kids friendly place <laughs> uh water all around uh yeah so that like bali and thailand probably like mm -hmm. those one of those but yeah and then like we always wanted to go to that's a family dream vacation egypt we wanted to really obviously see the pyramids right you gotta oh see that's the, cool yeah i don't know we found kind of like is that a kid's family thing? our whole extent all the family oh okay could maybe because it's more like cultural to your families okay. yeah yeah okay. cultural but okay. not only that just like i don't know i think i'm fascinated with pyramids and a lot of people in our family we're like <laughs> we want to go see it i don't are know pyramids just... also like core to who you are as a person <laughs> just no, another... absolutely not but I, <laughs> I just like a. I think it's a and there's like a lot of activities that we could do like yeah. museums and like you know i don't know camelback riding and like <laughs> yeah, a lot that's, of other that's, things that would be cool yeah, yeah like uh like like desert like atv rides and things yeah. like that like yeah. i don't know like cool. you could do it in a lot of different places you don't have to go to egypt but also like culturally you experience the culture the pyramid is there it's like something like i don't know we talked we yeah. talked about it. there's probably other places that we go to like now nah. yeah um, well you can probably was, start with like one disneyland yeah i've been to yeah i've been to disneyland disney world but yeah so with kids that's like a number one vacation spot right so yeah. you kind of have to go yeah. So yeah, those will happen. Definitely. Yeah. The Harry well, Potter world. Yeah, Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah, it's all coming. PH Dizzle. Having fun with smart people who do cool things. <laughs> <laughs>